DNB Tech Minute gives you the day's top tech headlines, from the big names in Silicon Valley to the halls of power. If it's making news in tech, we've got it. Check out TNB Tech Minute in the Tech News Briefing feed from The Wall Street Journal. Today in Watching Your Wealth, 529 college savings plans withdrawal tips. This is Watching Your Wealth from The Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. This is Veronica Dagger, and you're listening to Watching Your Wealth, where you learn all you need to know about building your wealth and protecting your money. Brian Boswell is Vice President of Research and Development at SavingForCollege.com. Welcome, Brian. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Great to have you. So, Brian, many families are thinking about how to pay for college and maybe planning to use a 529 college savings account to do so. So when we're thinking about using our 529, what do we first need to consider? So I guess when you, if you're thinking about a 529 plan, there are, there are two things you need to consider. And one is what type of 529 plan you want to use. And then two, that you're going to be able to use it for the expenses you um, you want to use it for when you um, go to ultimately draw it down for your beneficiary, right? Um, right. A little bit about the different kinds of college savings plans, there's uh, there's two types. So you have a savings a savings plan and a prepaid 529 plan. And the savings plan works a lot like your 401k. You put money in, it grows, you know, however it grows and related to the investments that you select within it. And by the time your, your beneficiary reaches college age, you have however much it's grown over the years, right? And a prepaid plan, by contrast, works a little differently. It grows at a, a fixed rate that's um, determined by the the plan administrator, and they kind of guarantee that today's dollars will be worth the same amount in future dollars, right? So one dollar today will buy one dollar of tuition in the future. So you have to decide which kind of plan you'd be most interested in using first. Most people have those five twenty nine savings accounts, right? Is that more more popular? Significantly so, you know, by by a factor, they uh, are much much more popular. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that it's they're a little more intuitive. Folks are used to uh, used to that kind of savings method, right, from their four hundred one k's from their retirement plans. Um, there's also more upside potential, and there tend to be more limited uses for the prepaid plans. You know, you can only use them on tuition, for example. So even if you were to use a prepaid plan, generally it's a good idea to have a savings plan as well to cover those expenses not covered by the prepaid. I was going to say, do some people have both? And it sounds like yes. And so if so, which one do you tap first, the prepaid and then go into the savings account generally? Um. Yeah, you would probably want to use the prepaid first just to give the uh, savings account more time to compound, right? Um, the compound earnings are, are really where you get your primary benefit inside of a 5 to 9. Now, there's qualified and unqualified expenses with the savings account. So tell us what would be a qualified and what's an unqualified expense? Sure. So qualified expenses, and first of all, it needs to be at a qualified higher education institution, right? So okay. there are certain institutions that qualify for you to withdraw funds for, um, to pay their expenses. And it's most institutions, almost all the any accredited college in the United States, and many I'm sorry, international schools also qualify. Um, any that qualify for the federal financial aid programs will be considered a qualified institution. Um, as far as what you can actually spend your five-time withdrawals on, it's going to be generally four things. Um, one is going to be tuition fees, books, supplies, and equipment. So all the things that are required by the school for attendance. You know, tuition's pretty straightforward. Books and supplies, your trapper keeper. Though I'm probably <laughs> dating myself by saying that, you know, backpacks, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, the second is going to be room and board. That's going to be um, rent, whether you're living on or off campus, and food, which is pretty straightforward, right? 
Um, that, but what a lot of folks don't realize is that you can use it for both on and off campus room and board expenses. So if you live in an apartment off campus and it costs less than it would to live on campus, so much the better, right? It's more money left over for other things. Indeed. Uh, yep. The what, third category. Yeah, uh-huh. Go ahead. Now I was going to say, what happens if I use this money for spring break though? Then you have a really good spring break, right? <laughs> <laughs> so if you go on a if you go on a big trip for spring break, um, that would be considered a non qualified expense because it's not a required expense for uh, for attendance at the school, right? You're going, you know, you can't pay for travel would not be considered a qualified expense. Um, keggers not qualified. Not qualified. <laughs> so do I get in trouble if I do that? Like, is there a penalty? So what's going to happen is if you make a non-qualified withdrawal, if you are paying for something such as you buy a new car and you draw down your 5 to 9, then you would owe taxes on the withdrawal plus a 10% penalty ouch. fee. Yeah, it's it well, it's a it's a small ouch, right? Because you're only paying it on the earnings even still. It's not like you're ever going to lose out on principal. So, it's a slap on the wrist, but at least you're not losing out on what you've put in, right? True. Um and you've still benefited from tax deferred growth over the years. Uh, it's really there to to make sure that people are not abusing these as tax shelters and that they're u- being used for their intended purpose, right? Makes sense. Yeah, I don't like to yeah. pay any penalties or any extra fees that I don't have to, but I see what you're saying there. Um, what about you know, some of the tax credits families can receive for having a child in college? Tell us about those and how we might want to coordinate those with our 529 plan withdrawals. Right. So there's the challenge, and that can that can come back to bite you as an investor. Um, the American Opportunity Tax Credit is probably the most common, so I'll talk to that one, though there are, are other tax benefits out there. Um, the American Opportunity Tax Credit reduces your federal tax bill dollar for dollar up to $2,500 a year for every eligible student that you have qualified education expenses for, right? So the first $2,000 is dollar for dollar, and then the next $2,000 is 25% of that for a maximum of 2500 and that's going to be on the same qualified expenses that you would use to withdraw from your 5 to 9. The problem comes if you try to claim uh, the AOTC, the American Opportunity Tax Credit, on the same expense that you used to make a withdrawal from your 5 to 9. So if you're buying groceries with money that you're also claiming uh, credit for, you're going to get penalized. I see. Right? You, it's called the anti-double-dipping rule. It's to make sure nobody's taking two tax benefits off the same dollars. How do they keep track of that, though? How does the IRS know? I'm not telling anyone to do it, but I'm just curious. <laughs> big Big Brother always knows, right? Find but out but the fact is that they don't always know. Um, it generally only comes up in the course of an audit because 529s are self-reporting. You're responsible for tracking your own expenses. So um, you, you would need to make sure that you're tracking that and making sure that you're not double dipping. Any exceptions to the withdrawal tips we've given folks so far? So say, for example, you have a scholarship. Oh, yes. So there are exceptions to the penalty, right? So if, if you get a, um, a scholarship or grant, um, if you receive veterans assistance, uh, if something happens to the beneficiary for whatever reason, you know, if they pass away, unfortunately, or incur a lifelong disability, or if they attend a U.S. military academy, you can make withdrawals from the five to nine and you'll have still have to pay taxes on the earnings, but you won't have to pay any penalty. So what you get instead of getting a tax-free v- investment vehicle, you've got a tax-deferred investment vehicle at that point. So no slap on the wrist. Got it. Sounds good to me. Brian, will you stick around and take our fun college savings quiz? I'm excited. Great. Thanks. You stick around, too. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. 
Discover more at Viking.com. Need to check in on Wall Street? Listen to Heard on the Street and stay one step ahead of the headlines. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. We're back with SavingForCollege.com's Brian Boswell, who's going to take our college savings quiz. Ready, Brian? Hit me. All right. What's the best college savings advice you ever heard? Uh, start now. Mm, the, the, yeah. the, every day that you wait is a day of um, potential return that you are not incurring, right? So Indeed. even if you're not quite sure how much you should put away or where you should put it, you should start immediately. Do something almost like retirement. Worst college savings <laughs> advice you ever heard? Don't worry about it. Uh, the government will take care of it someday. Huh, no. Fill in the blank. College savings can buy. And I wanted their uh, I wanted their crystal ball if they knew the government was going to pay for it. <laughs> and fill in the blank college savings can't buy can't buy um uh a degree right ultimately you still have to earn it work for it and anything they can buy i don't know if we got that one from you but anything that we can um college savings can buy uh a brighter future for your loved one nice if you want a million dollars after tax what would you do with it you know, it's funny because $1 million is exactly the amount that it will cost me to send my triplets to college. Oh, my goodness. To my college savings calculator. Wow, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> you figured that out, it sounds like. Oh, wow. Well, hopefully yeah, so. they'll uh, get some scholarships, too. <laughs> exactly so. Got it. Well, that's great. Thank you so much for joining us, Brian. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Great to have you. And do you have a personal finance or college savings question you'd like us to answer? Email us at podcast at DowJones.com. This has been Watching Your Wealth, a production of The Wall Street Journal. I'm Veronica Dagger. For more information, check us out at WSJ.com slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. Follow The Wall Street Journal on your favorite podcast app. Search WSJ on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and any Amazon Alexa device. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.